0: Welcome to the India Fintech Diaries, the only podcast focused exclusively on the Indian fintech market. I'm Elroy.
1: And I'm Heman. In each episode, we dive into the latest trends, ideas, innovations, business models, and personalities that are shaping India's fintech landscape.
0: We also invite amazing guests who are innovators and industry players that are driving the change that is helping make financial services more modern, innovative, and inclusive in India. Come join us as we
1: explore the changing landscape of fintech in India. Namaskar Elroy. Today is a good day.
0: Oh, Eman. I hope you've been running for a long time. We hope that our show is
1: starting today. So, why don't we sing this song If you're thinking you have tuned into the wrong show, don't worry. This is still India Fintech Diaries the podcast where we explore themes that are relevant to Fintech in India. I am your co-host Hemant.
0: And I am your co-host Elroy. At the start of the show, both Hemant and I were conversing in Marathi, the language of a home state of Maharashtra. Now, Marathi is one of the many languages that are spoken in India. As per the last census in 2011, Indians spoke a mind-boggling 121 languages. Of these, 22 were official languages, meaning that they could be used in official documents If you add all the various dialects, there are potentially a few thousand languages spoken in India. With such a vast variance in something as basic as the language used for communication, we thought we should kickstart a new theme to deep dive into this area. We call this theme FinTech for Bharat and it focuses on how FinTech can be more inclusive across the country. But Hemant, let's uh, get back to basics first. Uh, What does Bharat mean and how is it different from the concept of India?
1: Sure, right. And before I get into the new definition of Bharat, for for our listeners who are not based in India, Bharat is the word or the name for India in Hindi and in Sanskrit. Now, getting to the today's definition of Bharat, which we are using in this topic, you will have to stretch your imagination a bit. Imagine a three-dimensional space and imagine three axes. The first axis is of education and closer to the origin you will be have the most educated ones and farther from the origin the education goes down on another axis keep affluence closer to the origin you are more affluent and away from the origin you are less affluent and the last parameter consider the distance from a metro city so closer to the origin you are closer to a metro city and away from the origin you are away from a metro city now If you take a person sitting in in the country and if he is closer or she is closer to the origin point, the chances are that the person is part of India and the farther away he is from the origin, the person is part of Bharat. Now, if you look at the outcome of this analysis, you will see that the part India is predominantly an urban male. And when you move away, it is slightly more rural and also includes a lot of women who are part of the country. Now, that's how Bharat is being defined and till date, Both the internet and financial services, except the one run by the government, have predominantly serviced the India part and the Bharat part got left behind. And that's how you define Bharat. Now, when you start looking at why Bharat got left behind, the first issue that I have is user experience. User interfaces today are largely designed by English speakers For English-speaking users, the vast majority of India that is literate in one of the 122 languages that you mentioned, Elroy, gets a second-hand treatment as far as the user interface is concerned. When people cannot easily interact with user interfaces, obviously the usage is subpar. By extension, even the portion of India that is literate is at risk of being excluded from the digital revolution, sweeping financial services, simply because technology is biased to put English over other languages or other forms of access, such as voice-based communication. New Age language technology companies, which we are going to speak in the future, are helping correct some of these. And in fact, some of the new banks and other fintechs, such as Yellow, are approaching this problem from a design perspective by designing For Bharat first. So, Himan, that's a very
0: good point that you brought up. And another big key difference that I see is that unlike uh, urban India, which is well connected to the broader financial ecosystem, Bharat also lacks connectivity to the broader financial ecosystem. Now, let's take distribution reach or uh, the distribution problem. If you look at it, it's quite uh, difficult to distribute financial products across the length and breadth of the country and reach even the remotest parts of India. To some extent, we have had a moderate amount of success in distribution of some types of financial products uh, using models such as business correspondence or BCs and some of the newer uh, business models such as payment banks and small finance banks. Now, while these measures have been moderately successful, to truly expand distribution reach, one needs to look at not just the physical aspects of distribution, but also look at the data aspects of distribution. Now, but by this, I mean that how do we bridge the various gaps that may come while you're trying to distribute these financial products because of lack of information that you may have. Now, this may be represented by uh, people, say, in rural India not having adequate KYC documentation, or it could be uh, by them not having an adequate credit score. The challenge really is to figure out how could you use alternative data sources to bridge these gaps. And I think fintechs are ideally placed to bridge these gaps with a unique mix of technology-led distribution and usage of data to drive processes. And a number of them are actually doing this on platforms that target narrow use cases such as extending credit to farmers or looking at sachet insurance products for rural India.
1: Yeah, Elroy. And Elroy, in fact, before I jump to the third area in, 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 uh, in a way where Bharat really differs from India, the two points that you have just uh, uh, taken up, one is the user experience and the geographical distance, brings to my mind two anecdotes or two stories that I was part of. And I'll take the first one on user experience. Now, we were doing this study of uh, remittances, right? And in, the, the domestic remittance itself is a huge part uh, of the country, right? That means a lot That's of people right. who are working in cities send back money to their home. Correct. Now for a very, yeah. very long time and everyone is aware that if you send a remittance through a bank, it is much cheaper than maybe using informal ways of sending it, correct? correct. And what we were trying to understand is what is the reason why a person is not sending or doing a remittance via a bank branch which is just sitting there because this is a, a guy working in a city. That means access to branches is not a problem, right? And he's still yeah. using that informal shop which is just next to the branch. And when we spoke to them And what we realized is just to attract India, the branches have been made so fancy that sometimes the urban worker who wants to send money back is really scared or intimidated by just the branch and the the reason that in the branch he will have to speak maybe in English or the forms are in English and he's really intimidated by that. So he's happier to pay some charges. To the informal shop just to avoid getting to the branch which is pure simple user experience which may not come in your mind or my mind when we think of going to the branch exactly right so that that's one where where user experience comes in and second is the distance part and as you rightly said if you go to the rural areas the distance a person has to travel to access a bank branch itself is so high that just going to the branch even to collect the money which their families have sent will cost the person one day's wage, which is a huge thing for that person. That means there has to be better ways in which the person who is sitting in the rural segment can really access financial services without spending a lot of time, effort uh, in, in trying to get to it. Now That brings me, Elroy, to the third area where Bharat really differs from India is the digital payment acceptance infrastructure. India today has about 6 million POS terminals for card acceptance, a further 3 million Bharat QR and maybe approximately 10 to 15 million active UPI QR codes. For a nation of 1.3 billion, this is inadequate. Right, if you see if yeah. you see that significant portion of this infra is concentrated in urban India and not towards the rural or the Bharat that you're talking about. Now fintech players have this huge opportunity and a unique opportunity to really bridge this acceptance gap and deploy new payment methods of acceptance and possibly even leapfrog the card payments in it as entirety. Now, Government has started taking steps towards it by, if you see the acceptance development fund established by RBI recently and the outlay of 1,500 crores in the union budget for promoting digital payments. This is going to really help to increase the digital payment infra, acceptance infra in the Bharat side of the country.
0: And I think another key area which is often overlooked is uh, financial literacy. Now, while financial literacy uh, to the extent that it's available both for India and Bharat uh, possibly remains debatable but it's definitely lacking as far as uh, rural parts of India is concerned. And uh, the Reserve Bank of India has actually acknowledged this and in its National Strategy for Financial Education, the RBI actually places special emphasis on potential collaboration between fintechs and NGOs. The idea being that uh, fintechs and NGOs can work together and synergize the efforts to improve financial literacy among various target audiences of the fintech, especially those in rural India. Now, other than the language barrier, another important barrier that comes up is actually how do you build out suitable curriculum to focus on basics of financial education, especially when the target audience that you are actually uh, looking at uh, to educate is possibly not uh, financially savvy or even uh, literate in some cases. In the coming weeks, we will start exploring various aspects of this FinTech for Bharat theme, as well as speak to some FinTechs that are helping make access to financial services inclusive for both India and Bharat. We hope this will be an interesting uh, series of uh, podcast episodes.
1: Absolutely. And Elroy, just to add to that excitement of doing a podcast series on fintech on Bharat, as our listeners now are aware that India is one of the most thriving and buzzing fintech ecosystem in the world. And last year, the country had its first global fintech festival. Now, the global fintech festival is back and it is happening in June 2021. And I'm really pleased to announce that we will be producing a Global Fintech Fest 2021 podcast series in association with uh, the IMAI and the Fintech Convergence Council. Within the series, we will focus on interviewing guests from the industry who will shed more light on the key fintech themes in this year's Mega Fintech event and in the country, in fact. And it really gives a good opportunity for our listeners to even further understand what's happening or what's buzzing in India's Fintech ecosystem. You can expect more of these special episodes as we count down to the event in June 2021.
0: Hey, also our last episode was actually a 10th episode. And to be honest, when we started this uh, way back in October, I never thought we'd actually reach to 10 episodes. So that itself was a very big milestone for us. And in our last episode, we did promise the regular listeners a little surprise in our next episode. So what we're going to do is uh, to celebrate our 10th episode, we'd want to announce a little giveaway. So as part of the sweepstakes that we have, up for grabs are three copies of Brett King's latest book, Bank 4.0, Banking Everywhere and Never at a Bank. To enter, you just need to listen to any of our recent episodes and just tell us what you learned. So you can leave a comment on our YouTube channel or on Instagram or send us a tweet. Just remember to tag us in your comments so that we know uh, what you learned. And also use the hashtag I learned this on IFT. So we're giving away one copy for each of our social channels for the best messages. And also do remember to follow us or subscribe to us uh, so that you know when we announce the results. I'll leave more details about this in the show notes.
1: And right, I think 10 episodes is this very tiny mini milestones, but I'm really, really so happy about it. And we have had our listeners coming back and providing really valuable feedback and inputs. So it would be really great to listen to our listeners and get more inputs and maybe even shape our program based on the inputs that we receive. So that's it from India Fintech Diaries this week. We are looking forward to hearing your comments on the show. And until next time, stay safe.